is the Healthy Families Podcast, and I am your host, Jenny Hatch. Today, the Fauci files dropped. Matt Taibbi came out with Twitter files number 19, and he called it the Great COVID Lie Machine. Stanford, the Virality Project, and the Censorship of True Stories. During the hearings on Capitol Hill last Friday, just a week ago today, Matt and Michael Schellenberger mentioned several things that were included in this drop. So there was a bit of foreshadowing, especially about the censorship of true stories of side effects that were being suppressed because the powers that be were concerned that if true side effects got out, people would be more reluctant or careful about getting vaccinated and getting their annual boosters. So I'm going to just go through these and mention that I've been watching for them to drop for weeks. Elon Musk indicated there were going to be some Fauci files that came out sooner than later. And so with each drop, I was thinking, oh, so it's the Fauci file. And it never was, but here it is today. And it just kind of slipped out. And there hasn't been a whole lot of chatter around this drop, in my opinion, because I think everybody's distracted by the bank failures and the economy and the runs on the banks and what's happening with Trump. Is he going to get arrested? And there are many other stories that are sort of vying for our attention. So I wanted to make a point to do a podcast on this because I don't want to forget it. I don't want to have it get lost in the shuffle of the things and the projects that I'm working on. So I'm just going to go through these one by one. There are 45 of them. It was a big drop, a big thread. So the first one was a logo of the virality project and i would assume that this means when things go viral they want an attempt to squash the virality so drop number two is the release of dr anthony fauci's spring 2020 emails has been used to exacerbate distrust in dr fauci increased distrust and Fauci's expert guidance. And for those who attempted to create a cult of personality around Dr. Fauci, this was the most egregious attempt to increase distrust. So he shared a couple of graphics here from Fauci's emails and key takeaways were the information voids have opened up around two topics that remain unclear to the public, the risk of myocarditis for vaccinated teens and the necessity of vaccines for people who have previously had COVID-19. Public health communications should consider focusing on providing the most up-to-date recommendations on these topics. The anti-vax community continues to seize upon fears that the vaccines contain a spike protein that can damage can cause damage to vaccinated people. The term has been used to support a number of unsubstantiated claims about COVID-19 vaccine safety. The release of Dr. Anthony Fauci's spring 2020 emails via the Freedom of Information Act 
has been used to exacerbate distrust in Dr. Fauci and U.S. public health institutions. As vaccine mandate discussions continue to take place online, stoked by legislation attempting to ban them, a new analogy is emerging between vaccine passports and Jim Crow laws in the American South. This comes as previous analogies between vaccine passports and the Nazi use of Star of David badges received blowback. They don't want anybody outing them for their extreme totalitarian instincts. Discussion of Fauci's emails also spread in Chinese on Telegram. At least one group with 7.8 members, which mostly discusses right-wing conspiracies, claims Fauci, the CCP, who and several deep state agencies have information on how to manipulate viruses and vaccines, which will fully expose the truth about viruses and vaccines. Takeaway, although much of the focus on Fauci's emails is related to his communication with Chinese officials in the early stages of the pandemic, the information also has a major impact on anti-vaccine networks. These networks are keen to foment increased distrust in in Fauci's expert guidance and in American public health officials and institutions. Given the large volume of the emails, we also expect that responses will continue to flow in. So these are two emails from the uh, Virality Project indicating they were deeply concerned at the direction that things were headed with Dr. Fauci being questioned as one who was set up as never to be questioned. Many people were questioning and they did not want that. So Twitter drop number three reports of vaccinated individuals contracting COVID-19 anyway, natural immunity suggesting COVID-19 leaked from a lab even worrisome jokes. Now, as one of the people who uses memes in all of my work, there were some excellent memes being crafted about COVID-19 shenanigans. And so the jokes became worrisome for these people because you can, you can really send a message well when it's wrapped in a joke. And so they were expressing their deep concern over these jokes. And number four, Matt said all were characterized as potential violations or disinformation events by the Virality Project, a sweeping cross-platform effort to monitor billions of social media posts by Stanford University, federal agencies, and a slew of often state-funded NGOs. You know, for me, the answer to all of this is to get the federal government out of the healthcare business. And I want to emphasize the word business. The federal government should never gotten involved in the business of people's health, physical health, mental health. They shouldn't have funded any of the studies. They never should have gotten in bed with the drug companies. And it was never intended that our federal tax dollars go to fund any of the madness that we currently find ourselves engulfed in. If the Constitution had guaranteed medical freedom the same way that we are guaranteed with religious freedom, none of this would have happened because there would have been 
several modalities of healing that would have been available for people to purchase and use as they made their way back to health, up to and including homeopathy, massage therapy, herbalism, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda healing. There's so many other branches of healing outside of the drug and surgery allopathic system that our government has been wedded to for over a hundred years, that if there had been a plurality of modalities available, midwifery, fully available, fully uh, supported in, in the communities, instead of a midwife sets up practice and she gets run out of town by the local OBs, which happens everywhere midwives set up a practice all over the world. If we'd broken down the monopolies tied to the medical system and allowed the free flow and free exchange of ideas instead of the complete top-down censorship that was in place for so many decades, paid for by Big Pharma. That's breaking up somewhat now. It's part of the reason the Fauci files are so important, the Twitter files are so important, that these shenanigans, these under-the-table deals, heck, they're above-the-table deals. Everybody can see what's going on. It all needs to be exposed and then done away with. We'll all be so much healthier the day we each make the individual determination. I'm going to live drug-free. I'm going to have my kids live drug-free. We're going to find other ways to be healthy than the madness hoisted on us by the cult of Big Pharma. So here's number five. Just before Schellenberger, and this is Michael Schellenberger and I testified in the House last week, found in the Twitter files describing stories of true vaccine side effects as actionable content. Now, they, like I said, they mentioned this during the hearing that they had recently found evidence that when people were staring, sharing true stories of what happened to them when they got the vaccine, uh, their stories were being deplatformed all over social media. So this is what they said. True content which might promote vaccine hesitancy. Viral posts of individuals expressing vaccine hesitancy or stories of true vaccine side effects. This content is not clearly mis- or disinformation, but it may be malinformation, exaggerated or misleading. Also included in this bucket are often true posts which could fuel hesitancy, such as individual countries banning certain vaccines. Yeah, and wouldn't it have been great if we had some hesitancy like two years ago in various countries and locations? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? So I'm going to take a break from reading. I've done one through five. I'll come back to the next 40. It looks like we've got another 40 tweets to go, but I would love to take some of your calls. So first up, Caleb, welcome to the Healthy Families Podcast. Hi. What say you? Hi, Jenny. Hello. How are you doing this St. Patrick's Day? Doing well. How are you? Couldn't be better. Um, I just wanted to like have a slight word with you. Okay. So, uh, me and my family just finished listening to your healthcare and education issues, uh, podcast episode, and we loved it. We just want to say thank you. 
you know, nowadays we don't get the information we need about these certain topics. And so it's good to come on a platform where someone discusses these, you know? Oh, thanks. That's really sweet. Yes. So uh, we just came on here. Uh, I have some friends of mine who are on here also, Laura, Rodarius, and Eric. Uh, we just wanted to learn some more about the Fauci files because we've been kind of keeping up with it. And so we just want to get an update on that. So we'll just be in, I'll just be in the listening area, but I just wanted to like de- tap in with you and talk a bit. I appreciate that so much, Caleb. And if you want to follow along, just go over to Twitter and right at the top of Matt Taibbi's Twitter feed is uh, this drop that he just did on Dr. Fauci. So I Wait, you. Uh, excuse me. Uh, how do I create a Twitter account? I can't take the time to teach you that right now, but if you will just click around, it's not hard. You just need an email address. I have a like a flip phone. So how would you get on there on the flip phone? I'm not sure. If you're on the internet, you could click in the link that's in the um, chat here. I put a link to my Substack, and I embedded all of the tweets from Matt's Twitter on there as well, so you can read along on my Substack if you want. Uh, okay, uh, I'll try finding it. I can't really locate it, but I'll be in the comments if I need any more help, Jenny. So thank you. Okay, thanks, Caleb. Bye. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Hello, nice to meet you, Jenny. Nice to meet you. I would like to thank you for this um podcast. It's, like, really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, so like, can you tell me a little bit more of what you were talking about? Because I did join a little late. Uh, Matt Taibbi dropped number 19 Twitter files today about the Fauci files. We've been hearing okay. for weeks from, e- from Elon Musk that they were going to come out. <clears throat> and they, they dropped mm-hmm. this morning 45, 45 tweets in a thread talking about Dr. Fauci and all of the efforts by the federal government, people at Stanford University and other places mm-hmm. involved in our in our government attempting mm-hmm. to um, encourage people to get the vaccine. And, uh, well, that's quite amazing. Associated yeah. With it. yeah, that's quite amazing. I thank you so much, Jenny, for like coming on here and speaking about that. I really do enjoy that. Thank you. Though. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I feel really honored. Okay. Uh, oi, Jenny. Nice to meet you. Hello. Nice to meet you, too. I was just wondering, what's your position on Dr. Fauci? Is that how you spell it? Or An- pronounce Anthony it? Fauci. Anthony Fauci. What is your position on that? Uh, I believe he's been involved in over 40 years worth of Lies, theft, and murder of people using viruses. Lies, death, and murder. He was in the middle of the AIDS and Ebola scandals. And the COVID shot has just been the same sort of... um, Same sort of methods that they used with AIDS and Ebola to make people sick. And so... I'm glad that people like Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk and others are aware 
now of what's gone on and they're helping to expose it. What do you think? Honestly, I, I don't know what he wants to gain out of all this. If he's the one, you know, making people sick and all, what's going to, you know, benefit him? Is he getting money out of all this? He's the highest paid federal government employee right now. Over $400,000 a year. He makes more than the president. Kudos to him. He's on his hustle. Okay. And then Elon Musk is attacking this how? Elon Musk bought Twitter and opened up the Twitter files to journalists to come in and prove all of the stuff that's been happening kind of behind the scenes and under the radar of the American people. And so a lot of people were shocked. I've been shocked at what they found. And so I'm going to go back to reading the Twitter drops, Eric, you and Caleb, if you want to listen, you're welcome. But thanks for, for participating. Hello, Jenny. Caleb, I'm going to send you back to the queue because I'm going to read some more of these drops. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, just a quick question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so the Dr. Fauci thing, it really made me upset. How's he getting away with this? The government is so foul. Like, I'm very upset about this. People are out here unemployed and have no jobs. And he's gaining $400,000 a month more. I mean, a year. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's like really making me mad. Like, it's not fair. The government is so corrupt. People are on food stamps, can't afford to have food, a house, water. I know. This is sickening. That's why I spend my time on these shows. Thank you. Again, if you want to read these in the show notes, you just can click on the um, links bar and go to my Substack where I have embedded all of these tweets from Matt in that Substack post. So here is number six. We've since learned the Virality Project in 2021 worked with government to launch a pan-industry monitoring plan for COVID-related content. At least six major internet platforms were onboarded to the same JIRA ticketing system, daily sending millions of items for review. Though the Virality Project reviewed content on a mass scale for Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Medium, TikTok, and Pinterest, it knowingly targeted true material and legitimate political opinion while often being factually wrong itself. Number eight, this story is important for two reasons. One, as Orwellian proof of concept, the Virality Project was a smash success government, academia, and an oligopoly of would-be corporate competitors organized quickly behind a secret unified effort to control political messaging. Two, it accelerated the evolution of digital censorship, moving it from judging truth untruth to a new, scarier model openly focused on political narrative at the expense of fact. The 10th tweet says the beginning on February 5th, 2021, just after Joe Biden took office, Stanford wrote to Twitter to discuss the virality project. By the 17th, 
Twitter agreed to join and got its first weekly report on anti-vax information, which contained numerous true stories. 11, February 22nd, 2021, Stanford welcomed Twitter veterans like Yoel Roth and Brian Clark, instructing them on how to join the group JIRA system. You can watch the friendly welcome video here. <laughs> Looks like Stanford has deleted the video. I am not surprised. Twelve, March second, twenty twenty one, we are beginning to ramp up our notification process to platforms. In addition to the top seven platforms, VP soon gained visibility to alternative platforms, such as Gab, Parlor, Telegram, and Getter, near total surveillance of the social media landscape. Thirteen through July of twenty twenty, Twitter's internal guidance on COVID nineteen required a story be demonstrably false or contain an assertion of fact to be actioned. But the virality project in partnership with the CDC pushed different standards. VP told Twitter that true stories could feel hesitancy, including things like celebrity deaths after vaccine or the closure of a central New York school due to reports of post-vaccine illness should be considered standard vaccine misinformation on your platform. 15, in one email to Twitter, VP addressed what it called the vaccine passport narrative, saying concerns over such programs have driven a larger anti-vaccination narrative about the loss of rights and freedoms. This was framed as a misinformation event. 16, VP routinely framed real testimonials about side effects as misinformation from true stories of blood clots from AstraZeneca vaccines to New York Times story about vaccine recipients who contracted the blood disorder thrombocytopenia. 17. By March of 2021, Twitter personnel were aping VP language describing campaigns against vaccine passports, fears of mandatory immunizations, and misuse of official reporting tools as potential violations. 18, this echoed a report to Twitter by the Global Engagement Center regarding Russia-linked accounts. While this account posts legitimate and accurate COVID-19 updates, it posts content that attacks Italian politicians, the EU, and the United States. 19, that same GEC report found in the Twitter files identified former Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte and former Italian Democratic Party Secretary Nicola Zingaretti, who's been compared to Bernie Sanders as highly connective accounts in a Russia-linked network. 20. The Virality Project helped pioneer the gauging of disinformation by audience response. If the post-vaccine death of a Black woman named Dream Keys in Virginia went unnoticed, inspired mostly anti-vaccine comments on local media, it became a disinformation event. VP warned against people just asking questions, implying it was a tactic commonly used by spreaders of misinformation. 
It also described a worldwide rally for freedom, planned over Telegram as a disinformation event. 22. Almost always reportable, it encouraged platforms to target people, not posts, using minority report style pre-crime logic, describing repeat offenders like Robert Kennedy Jr. It spoke of a large volume of content that is almost always reportable. 23. VP was repeatedly extravagantly wrong. In one email to Twitter on misinformation, it spoke of wanting to hone in on an increasingly popular narrative about natural immunity. 24. The VP in April 2021 mistakenly described breakthrough infections as extremely rare events that should not be inferred to mean vaccines are ineffective. 25. Later, when the CDC changed its methodology for counting COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people, only counting those resulting in hospitalization or death. VP complained that anti-vaccine accounts RFK Jr. and What's-Her-Face retweeted the story to suggest hypocrisy. I don't know what else you would call it. 26. A few months later, breakthrough cases are happening. 27. In chilling irony, the VP ran searches for the term surveillance state. As an unaccountable state-partnered bureaucracy secretly searched it out, the idea that vaccines are part of a surveillance state won its own thought crime bucket, conspiracy. 28. After about a year, on April 26, 2022, the VP issued a report calling for a rumor-controlled mechanism to address nationally retrending narratives and a misinformation and disinformation center of excellence to be housed within CISA at the Department of Homeland Security. The next day, April 22nd, 27th, 2022, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced in a House Appropriations Subcommittee hearing that a disinformation grievance board had been created to be headed by the singing censor Nina Jankowitz. And Jankowitz is suing Fox News for defamation right now, which is interesting. Secretary, who's Nina Jankowitz? Um, she is the newly appointed um, individual in our Office of Policy in the Department of Homeland Security. Is she the new executive director of the disinformation? Is she the new executive director for disinformation governments uh, board? She is the executive director of the disinformation governance. Board. And this is it. That was Jim Jordan questioning Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Matt's 30th tweet said, even in its final report, VP claimed it was misinformation to suggest the vaccine does not prevent transmission or that governments are planning to introduce vaccine passports. Both things turned out to be true. The virality project was specifically not based on assertions of fact, but public submission to authority, acceptance of narrative, and pronouncements by figures like Anthony Fauci. The project's central animating concept was, you can't handle the truth. 32. One of its four core partners, Pentagon-funded Grafica, explained in a report about Fauci 
that because the public cannot be trusted to make judgments on its own, it must be shielded from truths that might undermine its faith and authority. And Matt mentioned this during the hearing last week. He said they really do have this posture of the public cannot handle the truth, so we must protect them from it. Tweet 33, this continual process of seeding doubt and uncertainty in authoritative voices, Grafika wrote in a report sent to Twitter, leads to a society that finds it too challenging to identify what's true or false. 34, for this reason, the CDC partnered project focused often on disinformation events involving Fauci, saying release of Fauci's emails foments distrust and deriding assertions he misled the public. 35, a Cleveland clinic study showed previous infection offered the same immunity as the vaccine. But VP said discovery was subservient to narrative, whether or not scientific consensus is changing. Natural immunity is a key narrative among anti-vaccine activists. Tweet 36 says, often true content. The Virality Project communications mirror those produced in the recent court case, Louisiana versus Biden, which showed Facebook admitting to the World Health Organization that it too was censoring true content. 37, from the start, Stanford explained the Virality Project would essentially continue the work of its 2020 Election Integrity Partnership. The same JIRA system from the EIP is up and running, they wrote. Tweet 38, in the last Twitter files thread, we posted a video of EIP director Alex Stamos describing that project as Stanford trying to fill the gap of things the government couldn't do legally. And this is a hat tip to the Foundation for Freedom Online. Here's a clip from that YouTube video. There was a, a lack of capability around election disinformation. Um, this is not because CISA didn't care about disinformation, but at the time, they lacked uh, both kind of the funding and the legal authorizations um, to go do the kinds of work that would be necessary to truly understand how election disinformation is operating. So because of the feedback uh, and the ideas from these, uh, this group, um, we were able to pull together pretty quickly a project between these four different institutions to try to fill the gap of the things that the government cannot do themselves. How helpful of them. Something that's illegal for the government, a university can do for them. Tweet 39, we also showed video in which Stamos introduced EIP research director Renee DeResta as having worked for the CIA. DeResta in 21-22 would be listed as a Stanford scholar leading the Virality Project. You wonder if they had named her as a CIA asset instead of a Stanford scholar if that would have been an issue for people. So here's another little clip. Joining us is our research manager, Renee. Can you wave? Renee, yeah, let's give her a hand. Yes. 
You may know Renee from such reports as the Senate Select uh, Committee on Intelligence's report on Russian interference. Renee does has done a, a lot of writing and analytics. Uh, she has a computer science background like me. She is part of the academic unwashed with a computer science degree from a public university, um, and uh, but has gone out and worked for the CIA, uh, has worked uh, for a variety of companies, is currently a fellow with Mozilla, uh, and will be joining us to manage a team of researchers doing this kind of work. Uh, but has gone out and worked for the CIA, worked for the CIA. Just in case you're wondering, uh, she's a CIA spook. So Matt, Twitter drop 40 by October 2020, Stamos was hinting at the direction of the future virality project, telling a national cybersecurity conference that the anti-disinformation mission needed a new focus. Tweet 41, we we talk way too much about foreign. It's sexy and it's fun and it's a little bit cold war-y, Stamos said, adding that the vast majority of problems were now domestic. We have like an 80-20 breakdown. I think that needs to be flipped. You have all these American people figuring out what's what. We need to flip it and get it more international. So here is CISA Cybersecurity Summit. I think we talk way too much about foreign influence. I'm going to be honest. I think we talk way too much about it because it's sexy and it's fun and it's, it's a little bit cold war uh, But the truth is that the vast majority of these problems, of kind of the problems in our information environment are domestic problems. They're problems in how uh, we interact with each other, of the norms that have been created about online political speech, uh, about amplification issues, uh, about how now politicians are utilizing platforms. And so I, I think... Uh, we, we have like an 80, 20 breakdown of 80%. We talk about foreign and 20 domestic. I think that needs to be flipped. So Matt's tweet 42 VP partners, DOD department of defense funded Grafica, the national science foundation funded center for an informed public CIP, the GEC funded DFR lab and the NYU center for social media and politics or CS map how helpful they all are, especially when they're using taxpayer funding. Tweet 43, VP would later say it partnered with several government agencies, including the Office of the Surgeon General and the CDC. It reportedly also worked with DHS's CISA, Cybersecurity, and Infrastructure Security Agency, and GEC, among others. Tweet 44, to recap, America's information mission went from counterterrorism abroad to stopping foreign interference from reaching domestic audiences to 80% domestic content, much of it true. The disinformation governance board is out, but truth policing is not. So special thanks to NAFX for hard work on the story with Technofog. Michael Schellenberger and others who I don't know. It looks like Aaron Matei was helping. Racket News, Burger Bell, Schmidt Sue, and Mike Ben Cyber. Searches conducted by a third party material may be left out. So that is the end of the first Fauci files. My guess is there's going to be more because this feels like an overview of who, what, where, when, but it does not necessarily get into details of what Dr. Fauci wrote in his emails, of which we know there are many. 
And this is mostly an overview of how the machine, the great COVID-19 lie machine was set up and interfaced between government, education, and quasi-federal agencies designed just to uh, deal with misinformation and disinformation. I love the malformation. That's a new one. I also heard that the other day during the hearing on Capitol Hill, malformation. You know, I, I've talked about Brandy Zadrozny before. She's an NBC News journalist who's a disinfo expert and has been used by the mighty arm of the federal government to quell all sorts of misinformation and disinformation. I watched her respond to a video of a woman who had gotten the shot and then she had uncontrollable shaking in her limbs to the point where she had a very difficult time walking. So she posted this online and it was going viral. It was horrifying shaking. And Brandy claimed that that had been faked. That was her response. Oh, this is a fake video. This is someone just faking their shaking. And I just thought, you know, how convenient for her to just, oh, this isn't real. This is a fake. Didn't happen. End of story. And I just think that's so unfortunate that that would be her go-to position when there are people dying, dropping dead during sporting events and drive while driving their cars and engaging in life, dying in their sleep, and then having just a whole host of side effects. And here's Brandy going, oh, this is misinformation. How convenient. And here we have the proof that this evidence was absolutely censored, especially on Twitter, but I suspect on all other social media as well. And I'm just so grateful to Elon Musk for opening it all up. If he had not purchased Twitter, none of this would have come out. We never would have heard about it. And because he purchased Twitter, sent most of the staff packing and opened up these files, invited a group of journalists to come in and deconstruct what was there. We are seeing just the level of malevolence that was being set up as a cybersecurity state that would watch every, every thought word and deed on social media. They would use biometrics to get inside our brains. What's going on here? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And then the banking thing and control everything, your money, thought police, healthcare, to the point where we're all just a bunch of pawns and it's all coming out. And it's just such an exciting time to be alive. Can hardly stand it. Anyway, those are the first Fauci files. Thank you, Matt Taibbi, for doing the work and to your team who put it all together today. I look forward to seeing more and uh, Dr. Fauci being arrested for what he has hoisted on humanity and for all the lies. The lies just never stop with this guy. Thanks to all who stopped by and participated. I hope you have a wonderful day.